a low Googleization nation. Welcome to Better Leaders, Better Workplaces, a GGG Unleashed podcast with thought leader Vivian Blaine. I'm Ira Wolf. And I'm Jason Cochran. In each of Vivian's episodes, we'll cover the latest trends and emerging practices around creating resilient workplaces. Let's begin. Hello, and welcome back to GGG Unleashed, Better Leaders, Better Workplaces. I'm Vivian Blade, President and CEO of Experts in Growth Leadership Consulting and a recognized leadership and resilience thought leader. On this podcast, Better Leaders, Better Workplaces, you'll get the latest insights and proven strategies to help you solve the pressing turnover, burnout, and workplace culture challenges your company is struggling with right now. So if you're a business or HR leader, you don't want to miss an episode. I've been bringing your attention to important strategic areas that need to be front and center for you. The focus of this and my last episode is how we can improve leader effectiveness by building positive leaders who inspire positive workplaces. Dr. Ryan Quinn, Associate Professor and Academic Director for the Project on Positive Leadership at the University of Louisville College of Business, has been my guest on this topic. There were so many valuable nuggets from my interview with him. I didn't want you to miss any of it. So this episode is part two of our discussion on positive leadership. If you haven't already, make sure you go back and listen to part one. Dr. Quinn gave us a definition of positive leadership, which is exhibiting exceptional, unusual, unexpected virtues that other people choose to follow because of how they admire and feel elevated by those virtues. The focus is on your practice of virtues, such as courage, decisiveness, compassion, humility, inclusivity, resilience, and integrity and that we strive to practice them at an exceptional level. In this episode, Dr. Quinn will share examples of positive leadership. You'll be amazed at the impact in the workplace. And he'll share a roadmap for how you as leaders and HR professionals can practice positive leadership. Let's get back to the interview. Now, in the Project on Positive Leadership, we actually don't study leaders. We study leadership as an action, as a a social process. And so that's another thing that we'll point out is if you're looking at leaders, then we're kind of stuck. You're either lucky or unlucky because you got born humble or compassionate or you (laughs) didn't get born that way. Uh But if we look at it as an action, then every time I lead, it's an accomplishment. I can accomplish humility or I can fail to accomplish humility. I can accomplish compassion. I can fail to accomplish it. And having said that, you know, just go back to Collins where we started this with, it wasn't just humility. It was the humility coupled with that relentless ambition. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. on some level even harder than being humble is to be humble and ambitious. A person who is humble Mm -hmm. and ambitious is seldom ambitious for themselves. They're Mm -hmm. ambitious for the organization. They're ambitious for their employees. They're ambitious for their clients. So talk a little bit more about these virtues and our ambition toward doing that with excellence. What's that bar? What does that look like? Well, that's one of the tricky things because on the surface, this seems like an easy concept. 
And then you get into the details, you discover it's actually really hard and complex. And one of the reasons it's hard and complex is because the bar changes depending on the situation. Each situation has different social norms. And if you're going to exhibit a virtue at a level that surprises and delights people, you have to exceed the bar that is the social norms in that situation. And the social norm in one situation is not the social norm in another situation. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I'm on a work team and people are generally compassionate towards each other, then if I want to lead with compassion, I'm going to have to exhibit exceptional compassion in order to get them to even recognize that I'm doing something different that's worth leading in some way. On the other hand, if I'm in an organization where people are just generally unhappy and unkind and miserable to each other, mm -hmm. then just normal levels of compassion is going to be exceptional in that mm -hmm. situation. You may be inclined to think that, oh, well, it's a lot easier to lead in situations where the bar is low. But actually, it turns out not because the social norm puts pressure on you to behave in a way that's consistent with everybody else around you. And so it can be scary mm -hmm. to actually step out even when the bar is low. So an example I often use is a story of a, a young man who got a job out of college in a manufacturing facility, <laughs> and it was just a miserable place to work. And people were mean and swore each other all the time. And if you asked for help, they would actually yell at you for asking for help instead of helping you. And, and he wanted to quit, which I guess is apropos to your introduction today about, you know, a lot of people want to mm -hmm. quit and their situation may not be the same as in this story, but there's some other form of miserableness that's being created in their organizations. And the idea of deviating from social norm doesn't even occur to most of us mm -hmm. because we feel disempowered. What can I even do? What was interesting is in this case, this young man remembered a mentor of his who said that if you have a problem with a situation, then change yourself. And so he yeah. thought about it for a while, like, what could I do to change myself in this situation? It's everybody else who's being miserable and treating people badly. And then he had the idea. And so he set a goal. He said, when I go into work tomorrow, if I hear anyone ask for help before anyone can start yelling and getting mad at them and berating them, I will, even if they're on the other side of the workplace, I will jump up, run across the workplace and help them before anyone can put them down. And so he did. And the next day, you know, the opportunity came and he jumped up and ran over and helped them. And people thought he was a weirdo. <laughs> and it wasn't leadership at first because no one followed. However, he kept defying the norm and, and being excellent according to the bar set in that situation. Mm -hmm. And eventually people started noticing and paying attention and they stopped swearing around him. <laughs> and then as he kept persisting, they stopped started helping and being nicer and, and gradually over time following his example. And about six months later, he said, now people help all the time. And you know what's crazy? We're making a lot more money too. And I love that story because first of all, it shows the example of even in a situation where the bar is low and the, but the social norms can still make it hard to do it. He was ready to quit and was scared of doing it. But it also shows Here's a person who was an entry-level employee and the most recent entry-level employee, no authority, no formal power, and yet he changed the entire culture of the workplace and their profitability. So thinking about our audience today as leaders, what is one thing that you can do as a leader to just to start down this path? You know, if your environment is, is somewhat like this example that you just gave us, 
You know, what can you do to start on the path of becoming a more positive leader? The first step is to pause. Just stop so that you actually have three seconds, 30 seconds, five minutes, whatever it is of mental space to think differently. Because as long as we're running, 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 you're never going to get the moral insight that you need to lead. And so putting the, a pause into the beginning of your day, putting a few pauses throughout your day, whatever it is, but step one is pausing. Step two is to think about events or episodes instead of problems or projects. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't also think about problems and projects sometimes, but leadership often begins at even smaller units of analysis. Mm -hmm. One thing that I'll often do with my students is I'll say, take a problem or take a project that you're working on, and what's the next event at which you can do something about that project or problem? How can you lead in that event? And this gets back to what I was saying earlier, leadership isn't something you're born with or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. else. It's something that you have to accomplish and then reaccomplish. Just because you accomplish it once doesn't mean that, yay, now I'm a leader, I'm done. I don't have to work anymore, right? I have to do it again and again. And there's also this issue of crafting events. Sometimes what I'll say to people is leadership is about designing experiences for other people. So you change their experience. And so if you think about that event, what am I going to do in this event that will change it so that people have a different experience than what they've had before? I'm teaching a class right now for undergraduate students. And so I gave them the assignment to practice leadership, pick an event in the next week where you're going to practice leadership. And one of them wanted to practice leadership with his roommates who were not doing the dishes. <laughs> and what was interesting is he initially thought, you know, what I should do is set an example. Now that's a risky event to choose. Like the next time, you know, I get home, I'm going to do the dishes and set an example because on one hand, it might work and people are like, oh, I should do the dishes too and whatever else. Mm -hmm. But they might also say, good, I'm glad he's doing the dishes so I don't have to. <laughs> so I asked him, should your event be doing the dishes or should your event be when you create where you have a conversation with your roommates about doing the dishes? They're both opportunities to lead. How you lead in each one might be different. How you exhibit virtues in each one might be different. But let's think about like what event is more relevant. In some cases, the answer might be setting an example is the best way to do it. And just going and doing a great job of being punctual and timely and persistent with doing the dishes. In other cases, it may be that I need to have a talk with them and I need to show leadership. And so I need to show compassion and empathy in the way I talk to them while also you know, ambition in terms of the standards I set for you know what we're going to come out with and, and mm -hmm. so forth. And so... Step one, pause. Step two, choose the event. Step three, identify the relevant virtues for that event. Because which virtues are relevant change from situation mm -hmm. to situation. And then finally, ask yourself, what would it mean to be exceptional in those virtues that are relevant? And generally speaking, I find that if I don't get lazy and let myself off the hook, Steps like those will create insights in me that I hadn't thought of otherwise. And when I act on those insights, it inspires people because I do something exceptional. So as leaders, we've got a, a nice formula. A lot of the audience here is HR professionals as well who have an impact on the culture of their organization, sometimes in indirect ways. What's something that they can think about here in terms of helping their organizations to create more of this, this positive culture? It's a great question because on one hand, HR professionals have 
a fabulous in to affecting the culture in really meaningful ways. And on the other hand, it's a very frustrating position to be in because there are line leaders who have control over other parts of affecting the culture that you only have indirect control over as a, an HR professional. So here's two initial thoughts, and this probably could be a conversation that goes on for a long time, but just a, a couple feeders to get us started on. The first one is we can apply the ideas of designing experiences to the way we design anything in HR. So for example, if I sit down and say, I'm going to write a job description for somebody that we're going to hire as an organization, I can first ask myself, what virtues are relevant in designing this job description and how could I be exceptional in the way I apply it to writing a job description? Or if I'm creating a reward system or implementing a reward system that we've come up with, then I might stop and say, all right, what would wisdom do in this reward system? What would compassion do? Have I really thought about, for example, all of the stakeholders and how they're going to feel about this reward system? And what would it be to be exceptional in the empathy that I show to the stakeholders of this reward system as I set it up? And so getting very concrete about the work of HR and then embedding exceptional virtue into what I do as I do that work is one way to have a real impact on the experience and the culture of the organization. On the other hand, if I'm dealing with one of those issues where it depends on a line leader who is impeding our work as an HR group mm -hmm. to try to really build a, a culture and effective workplace and, and so forth, then I may need to break it down into events like we were talking about a minute ago and say, all right, what event do I already have or what event do I need to create mm -hmm. with a line leader who's impeding the work of building a good workplace or with a line leader who's accelerating the work, but I want to nudge them in this direction instead. If I have that conversation with them and then in that situation, how would I ask these questions and what answers would I get in terms of me trying to indirectly influence what we're trying to do with the organization? Tell us a little bit more about the work of the Project on Positive Leadership. We've talked about that a good bit. You know, everything that you've talked about really is the work of the Project on Positive Leadership. But tell us a little bit more about what we're up to as a yeah. part of that, too. Uh, you are, yes, <laughs> a big part of that. So the biggest thing that we started working on when we first created Project on Positive Leadership a few years ago is creating leadership tools and making those accessible to people so that as I try to lead with, if I try to lead in general, and also as I try to lead with courage or with compassion or with patience or, you know, whatever else, that people have tools to learn how to use these virtues and what they do. And so we have a few dozen tools that we've developed that are available online. And then we started broadcasting those tools with showcases that we do with people like you who have been our virtue experts and you can see previous showcases on our youtube channel from there we started going into other activities we would have people come in to create new conversations about positive leadership and there are many other activities we've been doing as well but now we're starting to move into a new strategy where we're going to build what we're calling local world changer groups of people who are trying to make a difference in the world and we gather them into groups and have them learn how to use positive leadership in their efforts to change whatever part of the world it is that they're trying to change. 
And Dr. Quinn, how can people get in touch with you if they want to, to reach out? My email is ryan.quinn at louisville.edu. And, and you can find me on the University of Louisville College of Business website. And so that's the easiest way probably. Dr. Quinn, thank you so much for being with us today. You have shared so much great information, so many insights that we have picked up and helping us to be more virtuous, positive leaders. Well, so I'm a big fan of you, Vivian, you. and I feel it an honor to be here. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it and feel like an honor to work with you as well. I trust that you got as much from this interview with Dr. Quinn as I did. Here are a few of my key takeaways. You don't have to be in the position of a leader to be a positive leader. Positive leadership as a practice can change the culture of a workplace. Positive leadership is something we accomplish again and again, and the practice of exhibiting virtues with excellence is what we're aspiring to. Your roadmap to practicing positive leadership is step one. Pause during the day so that you can reflect and gain the moral insight you need to lead in different situations. Step two, select events or design experiences where you can practice positive leadership. Step three, identify the relevant virtues for the event. Step four, consider what it would mean to be exceptional in demonstrating those virtues. And step five, Actually use that opportunity to practice those virtues and reflect on how it went. A trusted colleague or coach would be a great accountability partner here. As we wrap up, I want to challenge you to take action on what you've learned from Dr. Quinn. You've got the roadmap. Just look at the impact you can have. Whatever you're doing right now, I want you to think of the next opportunity you have to practice positive leadership. What one virtue would make a difference in that situation? How can you demonstrate that virtue with excellence? Now, follow through and take action on that. Then, would you send me a message on LinkedIn to let me know how it went? I want to hear about your experiences. If you'd like to get in touch with Dr. Quinn and learn more about the Project on Positive Leadership, you'll find that information in the show notes. There's also been a lot of interest in my guide, HR Seat at the Table, How to Get It and Keep It. So you'll find a link to that resource in the show notes as well. Thanks so much for joining me today. I work with organizations to build better leaders and better workplaces. Let's work together to enhance yours. And connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always sharing resources and generating conversations about the topics we talk about on this podcast. I'd love to hear from you. If you're ready to elevate your leadership or would like to bring an inspiring message to your conference or corporate event, Let's have a conversation. I'm here to help. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in and learning how to develop better leaders and better workplaces. We'll be back next month with Vivian for another episode. 
But until then, you can access some of Vivian's resources by visiting her website, vivianplay.com. And remember, don't let the shift hit your plans.